Ah, yes, let's pray. That was great worship, eh? <clears throat> Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, we just thank you that we can come into your presence and that you're, you're, you, you've not only made a way, you've, you've, you've invited us, you've drawn us, you've personally invited us to, and, and held our hand into your presence. So, Lord, open up your word this morning and, and have our minds renewed as we uh, learn from your scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. As Peter said, we're beginning a new series uh, this morning called Filled, and uh, it has to do with uh, living a spirit-filled life. And so over the next uh, several weeks, we're going to be talking about this idea of uh, getting filled up with the Holy Spirit, what it looks like, what we need to be filled uh, with, what the Bible instructs us to be filled with. Um, I'm going to start out with a story from the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it or they'll probably put it up there on the screen. This is a story uh, of Jesus, uh, an incident that happened when Jesus was walking the earth. And uh, I'm just going to read it. It says, Now it happened the day after that he, Jesus, went to a city called Nain. And many of his disciples, you can still go to the city, by the way, it still exists. Um, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And the large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he, Jesus, said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Don't you wish you knew what he said? (laughs) And he, Jesus, presented him to his mother. That's what I want to see. What did that look like? He presented him to his mother. And then fear came upon all, and they glorified God. You know, this idea of fear, it's mentioned a number of times in Scriptures. It's a, a state of being in awe and yet excited. They were terrified and yet enthralled. Think of it. This is a funeral procession. And a guy walks up, touches a dead body, and the guy jumps up and starts talking. That's scary. But on the other hand, it's amazing. And so they're drawn in. And they glorified God. It, it prompted them to worship, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited His people. And this report about Jesus went throughout all of Judea and all the surrounding regions. You know, in the Old Testament, Numbers, 17, uh, Numbers 19.11 says, He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. Jesus actually committed, uh, a broke a law in a sense, or, or it's not really a law that you couldn't touch a dead body, but that you would be unclean for seven days. You'd have to go through a whole process. And it actually goes on that if you don't uh, go through the process of being cleansed, that you, you, you're exiled from the people of God. It was such a serious thing. That's one reason why those who were carrying the body, when Jesus approached, they stopped. It was unheard of. It was against all of the social... Uh, legal, religious ethics to touch a dead body. 
Because there was a principle, there was a truth that something that's dead, something that's corrupted, if you touch it, it corrupts you. That's the whole idea behind the, the laws of, of cleanliness in, in, the, in the Old Testament. But the difference here was that Jesus was more powerful, more substantial. He had power over life and death. And so Jesus was able to touch the dead body, and instead of the death corrupting Jesus, Jesus' life changed the dead body. Alright? That's the same reason. <clears throat> because He was so full of life, His life filled the body of this dead man. It's the same reason why Jesus was able to go through the cities and touch uh, sick people and lame people and lepers. He didn't get become unclean because of their uncleanness. His purity was able to make them pure. Alright? And because of His power and His life within Him, He was able to overcome and uh, what, so what does this have to do with being filled? Well, listen, in the same way that this young man in this story came to Jesus, you and I need to come to Jesus. Alright? In the same way that that young man came to Jesus, you and I came to Jesus. Empty of our own stuff. Right? No longer able to make do on your own. You know, no one in that crowd, and certainly that man in the coffin, didn't have faith. No one expected Jesus to do what He did. Are you hearing me? There's a time to have faith and believe God that He can answer your prayers. Alright? But there's also a time in life when you can't even pray the prayer. And the lesson of this story is that Jesus is able. Nobody had faith. Nobody had expectation. Jesus is able. Jesus is able to fill a dead body with life. Jesus is able to do the unexpected. Jesus is able to take away sorrow and emptiness. Think of the change that this act had in the life of that young boy. Or the young man. Pretty substantial, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Think of the change it had for that widow. Think of the sorrow that she was experiencing. She was widowed and now her only son is is dead. And and in that culture, that just basically meant she was destitute. There was no one else to defend for or provide for. And Jesus came up and in a moment, just touched the body and changed the boy's life. Changed the widow's life. Can you just for a second try to grasp the emotional spectrum that she just went through? From walking in your only son's funeral to seeing him jump up out of the coffin and start talking. Wow! What did he say? (laughs) I don't know what he said. (laughs) I'm hungry! Jesus is able to give new hope and new life. Jesus said that the enemy, this is in John 10.10, 10, the, uh, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so where there's lack, where stuff has been stolen and taken away, where you don't have what you know you should have, or where there's death to kill, or where there's destruction, that is the work of the enemy. That's the work of the devil. That's the work of the flesh. That's the work of the the forces and the influences in your life that are not from God. Jesus said, I have come that they, who's they? That you and I. 
we who believe may have the life and that they may have it more abundantly. And that just means, it's actually, I looked this up this morning, it says it means super abundantly. All right? It means beyond measure. So, so that you cannot contain, you cannot measure the amount of life. Why? Jesus demonstrated the amount of life that was in him when he walked up to a dead body and merely by touching it, that body came back to life. All right? And, and we come to Jesus when we're touched by Jesus. Whatever's dead in our life can be filled again. All right? With his life. Filled with his life. To the point that we wake up. We come alive. There's another story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, 1 through 7. So we're just going to tell another story. I'm in the storytelling mode. So 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. This is a story from the Old uh, Testament uh, concerning a prophet, Elijah, one of the greatest prophets that walked in the olden days. There's this powerful story about this interaction. Again, it's another woman who's a widow. And it says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know, so she's talking to Elijah the prophet. And, he, and her husband was the sons of the prophet. And that was a group of people that were trained by Elijah to minister in prophecy. So that he had a, a school of the prophets. And so this was someone that ministered. He was a, minister, a priest, a minister, a prophet. And she's, she appeals to Elijah. She says, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. She owed money on her house. And back then, if you didn't pay, uh, there wasn't a government that bailed you out. <laughs> they took your kids to be slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? I like Elijah's response. So what do you want me to do? (laughs) That's the uh, uh, modern interpretation. What do you want me to do? Then he he gets an idea. Tell me, (laughs) what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And he said, now his anointing comes on. He says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her two sons um, who brought the vessels to her. And she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons shall live on the rest. Okay, what happened here? She didn't have anything but this one jar of oil. And she goes to the prophet and says, explains her husband died. He feared the Lord. And and he says, go borrow all the vessels you can. And vessels are just containers. Tupperware. All right? They were probably pottery, right? And get as many as you can, and then take that, uh, that the jar of oil that you have and, and pour it into the other jars. And keep pouring. She did it until all the jars, it just kept coming. It just kept coming. It just kept coming until all the jars were full. And she goes, give me another one. And her son says, that's what we don't have anymore. And that's when it stopped. 
You know, so it was a miracle of multiplication of all of the vessels uh, being being filled up. <clears throat> and uh, you know, so here we have this story, and there's there's a few lessons I want to pull out of this, but. You know, the prophet died and, and the widow came and, and she was in, in desperate need because of the debt they were lived, they, they had. It's interesting that he doesn't rebuke her for the debt. I, I like to bring that out. You know, and he actually, what did he actually, he told her to go out and borrow. So take that, Dave Ramsey. I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, God then supernaturally enabled her to go out and sell enough to make enough profit. The prophet told her how to make a profit and pay off their debt and then live on, the, on, the, on, the, on what she made. At. So a few things concerning this idea of being filled that we can um, unpack from this story. One is that the woman had to cry out. Lesson number one, there's a time that you have to acknowledge your need. All right. And you have to cry out. It's easy when our houses are being foreclosed. And some of us have gone through that and we know what it's like, especially in our day. And that's what was happening for her. And she cried out. It's easy to acknowledge it when we can't pay the bills. But there really is a greater need in our lives. There's a greater need in people's lives. And that's the need for our hearts to be filled with the supernatural presence of God. Right? And you've got to remember that this story literally happened, but it's for a spiritual truth. It's just not put in the Bible for a, an interesting story. It's to communicate God's supernatural ability to fill the vessels that we present to Him. And so we need that supernatural infilling that this woman experienced to, to, to fill us. <clears throat> and the needs... This need for a connection with God, this need for life on the inside, this need to be transformed can be easily overlooked or crowded out with the things of this world. You know, there can be substitutes. And so we don't cry out to God because we're satisfied with the substitutes until life is over. And my job is to to call you and come into awareness of that there's more. There's a supernatural feeling that it's available, but you need to cry out. Well, what does it look like to cry out? It means to cry out. It means to to get attention, to communicate your need, to be aware of your need, and to communicate it. All right? And sometimes you need to cry out to God. You need to make your request known. And and in order to do it, it has to be a stirring in your heart. She appealed to the character of her dead husband. I thought that was interesting. She said, you know, your servant feared the Lord. Even though this man died, his life had impact on others. Think of it. All right. The fruit of that prophet's life was not revealed until after he was dead. Likewise, you and I need to live a life that can be held before God as a witness of our faithfulness. What gave her... uh, reason or ability to appeal. She said she appealed to her husband's character. And when you go before God, listen, you can appeal to need, but you also need to say, hey, I've been faithful. You know my life, Lord. Rescue me. And in the areas that we haven't been faithful, we confess and repent. That is a demonstration of faithfulness. Alright? You cry out. And we need to live a life that others 
can call to remembrance on our behalf. Your life influences others. Other people are depending on you. Say, other people are depending on me to be faithful. It's true. It really is. You don't know the impact your life is making. And you may not know in this life. That's why you need to live faithful. Then she offered what she had. Uh, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. You know, it didn't matter what she didn't have. God used what, he ha- what she had and multiplied it. Alright? And there's, this, this, there's a constant about God. And I know a lot of people, Bill Johnson said this a lot. You know, don't, don't, don't look at what God hasn't done. Look at what He has done. And there's this almost like this is being emphasized in the kingdom of God. And here we see it. He didn't talk about what she didn't have. He asked, what do you have? And then she took what she had and made it available. She was willing to offer it. And willing to be obedient to do whatever the prophet said to do with it. We may not have anything that seems sufficient, but when we yield what we have to God in obedience, He can multiply it to meet whatever need in our life that we might have. Alright? So yielding what we have in obedience. But if you have a little bit, and you know you don't have any, any, any way to get more, the natural instinct is to hide it or to hoard it. Keep it to yourself. Keep it secret. Or to just dismiss it. I don't have anything. What about that bottle of oil? Oh, what good is that? Are you hearing me? Oh God, this is all I have. What do I do with it? And that, that's the heart attitude that leads to being filled, to having every vessel filled up. <clears throat> it says we, if we hide, hoard, or waste, sometimes we waste, we just take what, what's left. And rather than taking it to the Lord, rather than crying out, this is all I have left, we just kind of squander it. But if we take it, we don't despise what we have, and we give it to the Lord, uh, then He can multiply it. We don't want to miss out on what God wants to give us because we don't acknowledge what He's already given us. Are you hearing me? Next thing. So first thing, the woman cried out. Second thing, she appealed to the character of her husband. She offered what she had. She lived in community. Alright? She had relationship. Why do I say it? He said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Alright? This probably seemed really silly. You know? It's one thing to go to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm out of sugar. Can you have a, do you have a cup of sugar? <laughs> it's not exact. I'm out of everything. Do you have an empty cup? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. It's like the kids that come up and want the empty bottles. <laughs> Maybe you don't know what that means. <laughs> In our neighborhood, they come around and they collect uh, empty pop bottles to raise money for uh, whatever. But here she is. She was told to go to her neighbors and ask uh, for empty vessels, empty jars or cups or bowls, whatever. And to gather as much. And she did it. She went to all her... It didn't matter how silly it seemed. Uh, she went to everyone. And this means that she had relationship enough to go. She knew her neighbors and, and they gave them to her. Sure, whatever her name was. Take whatever you need. whatever. And there's, a, there's just a need for us to live in community. She had enough relationship that she had someone to go to. I get, we get calls here all the time, people in, in need. And I, say, I always ask them, I say, what church do you go to? Oh, well, you know, this and that and this. Well, like this and this. They always have a reason. I said, if you were going to a church, you'd be asking a friend and not a stranger. 
for help. And if you were a member of this church, we'd be able to, to provide because you'd be a friend. And you'd be there to help someone else when they have need. That's why you need to be connected. Well, I don't have a... I said, there's a church within walking distance. What's the nearest? Oh, there's this. But there... Don't give me the butts. You know, go to that church. Get plugged in. And sometimes we help them. Sometimes I don't. It really depends on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and then we, we always refer them to other agencies in town that, that are set up to take care of those people. But you need to live in a community. And that's part of acknowledging your need is acknowledging the need for others so that you have someone to go to and also so that others have someone to go to when they're in need. And that may be you. Okay? Live in community. Most often when we discover a lacking in our life or emptiness in our life, uh, we try to hide it or cover it up. We, we try to be posers. It's John Eldridge in the Wild at Heart series uses this term, posers. It's been a while, maybe since you've read that book. It's a powerful book. The idea of a poser is someone who puts on a good front. You know, that everything's okay. I'm good. <clears throat> uh, but inside, you're really broken. And we can't be that way. In a real community, uh, we allow our needs to be known. Uh, and this woman did that. She wasn't afraid to go out and ask and be obedient to what the, the prophet uh, told her to do. In times of need, we need community. You can't wait until you're in need to build community. You have to build community and relationship before that. Proverbs 27.10 says, Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Okay, And the whole idea of that is de- develop friendships close by. Because in times of need, you need that. So invest yourself in others because someday those relationships may be the basis by which your blessing is measured. Alright? Someday, how much supernatural impartation you get from God may be measured by how many people you can go and borrow something from. Okay? That's why it's important to be in community. Next point. She did what she was told until she couldn't do it anymore. Simple. Easy. Most people don't get this. They'll do what they're told for a little bit until they see nothing happen. Or they get a little bit and then they stop. But she did what she was told until she couldn't do it anymore. She was faithful to the end. And I've heard... I've heard ministers use this story as a, as a, almost a rebuke, like she should have gotten more vessels. Boy, if she got more. But I think she did exactly what she was told to do. And she kept doing it. She got as many vessels as she could, and she did exactly what she, and she was rewarded for it. She obeyed by pre- preparing as she was instructed. She was ready when the blessing began to pour because she had prepared by gathering as many vessels as she could. All right? She didn't know what was going to happen. She just did what she was told to do and obeyed. And in that simple obedience, God provided for all of her needs. And so often, I see in myself and other people, you know, you get a few drops. It's like, uh, you know, maybe the, she poured out, there's a jar, and there's an equal-sized jar, and she poured out, and she said, okay, that's cool. Okay, give me the next one. Oh, look, it, it's still poured. Wow! You know, boy, look at this. I got two jars from one. And they get all excited about, you know, that few extra little blessing. And too often, people actually stop. You know, they get a little bit, they get excited about another cup, 
or maybe three or four, and then for whatever reason, it's like, wow, that's great. How cool. And they don't keep pouring. They don't, they don't get not just a few. They just get a few. Oh, I just want a few extra cups. That'll be fine. You know, if she'd only had three cups, she'd only have, she wouldn't have had enough oil to sell to pay off her debt. Are you hearing? The, the idea here is don't, you know, when God starts to move or when God makes supernatural provision available, when God wants to fill us, don't be satisfied with just a few drops. All right? And, and the reason people get satisfied is, again, you know, it's one thing if you're in bankruptcy and God gives you a way to make money, but I'm talking about spiritual being fulfilled inwardly with His Holy Spirit and spiritual power and the, the uh, understanding of God and the new life that Jesus promises. And sometimes we don't acknowledge the need that we have for that. Because it's not as in the world, you know. We don't acknowledge, you know, why do you stop after just a few drops? Why are you content when God shows up and you just hear of His voice a little bit? You read the Bible just a few few verses, maybe, if you get around to it. Why? Why are you satisfied with a little when God has promised to give you as much as you can take? Why are you satisfied? Because you don't understand. You haven't cried out. You haven't acknowledged how desperate your need is. If you knew the desperation of your need, you wouldn't be satisfied with just a little. You'd want as much as you could get. Are you hearing? That's the heart of this woman. All right? She, she, she understood how desperate she was. And she wasn't going to settle for just enough to, to wet her whistle. She wanted enough to get drunk on. All right? When God's pouring out the Holy Spirit, don't settle for just a little taste. You know, sometimes I'll have a little taste. I don't like wine, so sometimes but Kathy she forces me to taste it. I do like beer. Occasionally I'll taste a beer. <laughs> I don't get enough. That's in the natural. I don't want enough to get drunk. All right? But in the spirit, I want to taste. I want to get drunk in the Holy Spirit. I want to be completely filled up in a spiritual sense with the goodness and the life of God. Not just a little taste. Why? Because I need every drop I can get. Like the widow, we need to prepare. We've got to have vessels ready. We need to be willing to receive, prepared to receive, prepared to receive as much as we can. Uh, and then when it's time, close the door and start pouring. I love how the prophet included her children in with this. Gather your children, close the door, and start pouring. How do you just gather your children, close the door, and start pouring? Wow. All right? That's how you get filled. That's how the, the filling that God wants to fill us with works. It, and, it, and it applies to us spiritually. But just like that, that dead man in that coffin at the beginning of the message, he was changed not only inwardly, but he was changed outwardly, right? But it started on the inside. When Jesus' life filled his body, then his body was renewed and he was able to get up and live the rest of his life. So how do you prepare? You prepare... By acknowledging and seeing your need. You must see your need and not allow the things of this world uh, to, 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 um, to hide that or to, to camouflage the reality of our spiritual need. And then you need to cry out. You need to make it known to God and to others how desperate you are to receive. You need to offer what you have, whatever it is, even if it, mean, if it seems insignificant. You need to live in community so that there's others to hear. 
and others care. Maybe only just to give you an empty bowl. (laughs) But at least they're there for you. You need to be obedient. Do what you're told to do from God until you can't do it anymore. I've been reading my Bible every day and praying. I had this young woman who was in the college Bible study. She says, I read and I pray and I'm involved in my church. And I go to this. And then she was like, you know, what do I do now? I said, you just keep doing what you're doing for the rest of your life. And I was serious. And she kind of looked disappointed. (laughs) I'm like, you're doing good. It's a good start. Keep doing it. For the rest of your life. Oh, keep doing it. Be obedient. Go for the most. Don't be mediocre. Don't go for a few drops. Go and fill as many vessels as you can. And then the woman does something at the end of the story. It's kind of unique. And I, I think a lot of people skip over this, but I think it's really significant. And it communicates the heart of this woman. She's, the woman... Um, <clears throat> right. I just got to remember what time I got to stop. The woman actually goes back to the prophet and submits to his direction. He didn't even tell her to come back and ask what to do. She had this miracle, and she could have done whatever she could have. You know what? She could. You know what? A lot of us would do. <clears throat> we'd pour out a bunch of oil, and then we'd we'd uh, set up a shrine and have people come and pay us money to look at the miracle God did. You know? Wow! God did this miracle. Or or she could have done whatever she wanted to with that oil. She could have tried to you know cook stuff with it or save it. But her heart was revealed when she went back to the man of God. When you go back to the place where she found her answer and then submit it. What do I do now? It really reveals what's in her heart. And he said, go and sell it all and pay off what you owe and live on the rest of it. All right. And so God gave her the ability. He enabled her to make a living. He didn't just give her a handout. He gave her the ability to produce increase. All right. He didn't give her cash. She had to sell it. She had to market the oil. She had to manage the money uh, in a good way. But that was enabled her to make enough money to pay off her debt and to live. And that's the kind of increase, that's the kind of feeling that God wants to do for us. He wants to give us the ability to stay full in a spiritual sense, but also in, in, in natural provision. And I believe for a miracle provision of paying off debts. But usually that happens when God gives you the ability to earn money. Okay? Occasionally, you get a windfall. You find some money in a drawer, you know, and we've heard those stories, and they're great, and we love those stories. I'm believing for those stories. But normally what happens is God gives you the ability to make money and give increase, and that increase doesn't end. Alright? So this series is about being filled with what God wants us to be filled with. And in the next couple of weeks, uh, next week I'm going to look at what, uh, what it means is spiritual fullness. So, it, um, different aspects of what spiritual fullness means. Right? We think we understand what that means, but but it really involves a number of different aspects in our lives. The following week, I'm going to talk specifically about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit baptism. And then the last week, I'm actually going to talk about spiritual manifestations. Okay, and that's what it looks like when we overflow. 
All right. When the when we get so full, it spills out. And so that's what I'm going to and talk about some of the different manifestations and what they look like, what they mean and uh, and what we know about them. All right. Well, amen. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Father, in fact, right now, why don't you just let's just acknowledge our need um, and just uh, go to the Lord and, and open up your hands if that helps you close your eyes. Uh, Father, I just pray we present uh, to you our needs. And Lord, uh, we cry out that you would meet every need, spiritual, natural, physical, emotional. Uh, Lord, you'd meet our needs, the needs of those in our families. Father, that you are the provider. Jesus, we're like the dead uh, man in the coffin. We can't do it in our own strength. But we ask that you touch us. We just, we just, we're, we present ourselves. Have compassion on each and every person here. And stretch out your hand and touch us and cause what's dead in our life to come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.